Walker got in the way that time. And it's Leipzig at the blue line. Walking in. Leipzig across. A shot. They score. Adrian Kempe continues his hot run of play. You're listening to All the King's Men. You're listening to All the King's Men. You're listening to All the King's Men. You're listening to All the King's Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Not by the contact of Thompson, the Kings get to the puck. Down eight to Bantenberg, he scores! Oscar Bantenberg, first goal of the season, has tied it late in Boston. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. That intro was for anybody that's watching or has finished watching Russian Doll on Netflix. Well, the Kings went 3-0-1 last week, and sure, the OT loss was against the only playoff team they played, and sure, they're still in the bottom five in the league, but my gosh, you guys, I really enjoyed watching the Kings play some really competitive hockey, and for more than just a game or two. I mean, just all week long, I thought they looked fantastic. I also enjoyed watching Carl Grundstrom live for the first time as the Ontario Reign beat the San Jose Barracuda in the last minute of play Sunday night in Ontario. Dave Joseph and the Reign insider Zach Dooley join me today as we get you all caught up on the Kings and the Reign. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. Subscription links and recent episodes can be found at lakings.com slash podcast. Joining me at medium height above the ice at the Citizens Business Bank Arena, Dave Joseph, how are you doing today, Jesse, Dave? I'm great. How are you, buddy? I'm excellent. And Ontario Rain Insider, Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Good to be back, Jesse. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, before we get into the rain, and we are going to get into the rain, literally and conversationally. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Dave. Yes. The Kings go 3-0-1 over the last calendar week. What the hell is happening? That's what I was going to ask you. That's a great question. <laughs> how good did they look? Well, I thought they looked great over the past four games. Uh, this is a key road trip. I guess, especially at this point of the season, you got the trade deadline coming up on February 25th. Uh, you've got Jake Muzzin, who has already moved. You've got uh, several players who are rumored to be moving. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, maybe some of the players are starting to uh, maybe it's starting to sink in a little bit, so to speak, that after Jake Muzzin got moved, hey, maybe it's time to up our play a little bit. And I think they've been doing that on this road trip. And, you know, being kicked out of Staples Center for, what, a six-game trip after, for the Grammys yep. is always a crucial, crucial trip for the Kings. And to come out three-on-one against good teams. We're not talking, you know, they're not, they're not playing Anaheim and they're not playing Ottawa. They're playing good teams. You've got, uh, what, the Rangers in there. You've got the Devils in there. You've got the Bruins in there. Philly on a eight-game winning streak. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about good quality wins and, and a, kind of a never-say-die attitude. And, and some guys are really stepping up. I like what I've seen the, the past week. 10 days or so. I mean, we said all year long that we didn't think that the reason the Kings were so low in the standings was because of a ta- lack of talent or that they somehow got old. We repeatedly said there's something wrong with the motivational circuit or there's something wrong with the system or, you know, they fi- obviously they fired Coach Stevens. Fans have been critical of, of Coach Desjardins. We've asked our own questions. You know, we didn't understand this. We didn't understand that. But the, the stretch they played over the last four Four games, and I'll even say five games, because I thought they looked good against the Islanders. Yep. Not surprising that they lost late in that game. But they have looked like a completely different organization than they did before the All-Star break. And so, I mean, I don't want to pat ourselves too hard on the back, 
But this is what we were referencing when we were saying this is not a team that got old and fell off the cliff. This is not a team that lacks, you know, the ability to compete. This was a team that, that lost its identity, that lost its way. I still am not entirely sure. That's why we kept making jokes about maybe they just need to go on a putt-putt outing or have some team-building exercises. I think they did that in Hawaii, didn't they? Well, I think they might have. Um, <laughs> there was a golf outing in Zach, Hawaii for sure. Zach, was there something that stood out to you, you know, about the difference between this team after this sort of three-week break away from playing in L.A.? It's kind of weird, right, because you trade away your number two defenseman, right. a player that everyone has said, and from what I've seen, is having a career year, and the team improves. And, yeah. and it's weird, and I, I watched a lot of I watched a lot of this East Coast trip, especially I was watching uh, the game against Boston, where it do you view it as a, a good point or a bad point? Because you blew a 2-1 lead in the third, but you also came back from 4-2 down, scored two goals down the stretch to earn a point, and you got goals from Nate Thompson and Oscar Fandenberg. These aren't your first-line goal scorers, guys, that you're expecting to score on a night out. So when you're getting the contributions like that throughout your lineup, we see it here in the AHL, you see it in the NHL too. When you're getting those kind of guys putting the goals in the net, like that's good. That's exactly what you need. I, I take it as a good point. Dave, how many games early in the season did we see – or you know, how many times did we say, well, the they were in it. It was two to one in the second period, and then there was just a stretch where it got away from them. And and you know you're sort of desperately trying to make excuses for these seven to two. Too many to count. Yeah, but here yeah. we have a game where, to Zach's point, once the Kings gave up that lead and Boston took what was it a four to two. Yep. I just thought okay, and they got a shorthanded goal. Too. Yeah, and I just thought which, all right, which this should is, have been the backbreaker. This is that Islanders game all over again, right? right. Where this is going to wind up seven to two, eight to two, and that'll be the end of the little. You know, it'll have been like a fun three game run, and that's the end of it. Well, like Zach was saying, I think it's it's now, you know, teams could kind of key on the Kopitar line, that first line, and say, hey, if we shut down Ayafalo, Kopitar, and Brown, we pretty much are almost guaranteed to win the game. And then you get goal scorers like Nate Thompson and Oscar Fantenberg, and now you're getting secondary scoring. Kempe stepped up big in the last couple of games, scoring, what, three goals in two games. Toffoli's had a couple of big goals. Toffoli's hit, hit four goals. Toffoli, what, and hit the crossbar a couple of games and, and rang a couple off the post. I mean, he's been there every single night. So as soon as you get that secondary scoring and even that that kind of third-tier scoring from, like, a Fantenberg who scored his first goal of the season, that's huge because now teams can't just, you know, counter on that one line and say, we're going to shut them down. And to hell with, you know, if the rest of the guys can score, then great. Well, that's exactly what the Kings are doing. Their second line, third line, fourth line guys have stepped up, getting some contributions from defensemen, and now they're winning some hockey games. So I was getting a bit grumpy about Luff, as I tend to do uh, when he doesn't get playing time. And uh, I went and I looked up some stats, and um, one didn't surprise me at all, and that was that Luff actually leads the Kings in goals per 60 minutes played for the season. So I don't know why he's not in love. But anyway, but uh, I could have this one wrong, but I'm pretty sure – the, the assists per 60 minutes played. Would you care to guess, Dave and, uh, and Zach, who leads the Kings in assists? Matt per- Luff. No. Oh, in assists. Yeah. It blew me away, but it but it speaks 100% to your point about secondary and tertiary scoring. Brandon Leipzig. Absolutely. Okay, yeah. Yeah. yeah that makes and, sense. and yeah. you know, you watch him flying around out there. He's not scoring, but he's finding guys. He's getting into corners. He's setting up plays. Getting on the score sheet. Yeah, yep. and... You know, Hagelin's looked like a different player. Kovalchuk's looked like a different player. Leipzig looks about the same, but now he's playing with guys that can bury the puck. Toffoli, Kempe, you know, even I have followed Brown and Kopitar were chipping in and had a lot of nice plays. I, I just like I just cannot keep repeating the phrase. They look like a completely different team. Does it look to you like the energy level has kind of risen as well? It seems like the the energy yeah. and the compete levels has been taken up a notch or two, and I hate that phrase, but it just looks like. Like there's a different, uh, there's a resurgence, so to speak. And I don't know if it's the Muzzin trade that kind of 
made it sink sink into every one of these guys like, hey, I could I could be moved here. I could be the next guy to go. And maybe they kind of up their game a bit. But it seems to me like they've had more energy. They've had more fight. They've had more compete over the last week to 10 days. Well, and, and we finally saw somebody become a healthy scratch, right? It was Dion Phaneuf. We've been saying that for a while. And there was no, right? I don't think there was any explicit reason, right? He scored his first goal of the year. He, he looked fine. They were on a winning streak. But just the fact that somebody got scratched and, you know, Muzzin's gone and who knows whether it's guys realizing that there are now going to be consequences or maybe it's, you know, hey, this is our last time together. Whatever it is, um, it's made me completely reconsider my position on the team. Now, look, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. I certainly don't think they should be buyers. I don't think they should be going out and looking for pieces to try and make a playoff push. All that stuff on Twitter that, you know, I've been fighting with everybody for four days. Um, I said if they won two out of the next three, I thought they would make the playoffs. Now, they still have to beat Washington in order for that if in my tweet to become true. I, You know, maybe they will, maybe they won't. Regardless, even if they do, I, I don't seriously think they'll make the playoffs. St. Louis is too good, and there's just too many other teams ahead of them. But the point is, a month ago, I would have said, yeah, you know what? This team maybe needs to get rid of everybody but three or four players. You watch the team as it's playing now, and I go, maybe they only need to get rid of three or four players. And if you, like, for example, Hagelin, you know, they trade Pearson for Hagelin. You're thinking, okay, financially it's a lateral move. Hagelin's older. He doesn't have, you know, the same game as Pearson. And so you go, all right, well, they're probably going to flip Hagelin at the trade deadline. Now, if the deal is out there that makes flipping Hagelin at the, de- at the deadline worth it, I'm, a, I'm on board. But if you're asking me, would I rather have a fourth round pick or bring Hagelin back for two years at, you know, a reasonable salary, if he makes Adrian Kempe a different player, and now that I've seen Carl Grundstrom in person, and all three of them are Swedish, <laughs> I'm kind of excited for the possibility of watching <laughs> Hagelin yeah, Kempe. All and Swedish, Grundstrom. no finish. Well, but <laughs> Kempe's got four goals in the last. Uh, yes, he does. So, I mean, yes, know. he does. I don't know. I don't know if uh, I still think Hagelin would be one of those guys that another team is going to be looking out for. Probably. He's a guy that's got the experience and he's obviously got speed like mm-hmm. pretty much nobody else. Uh, I think he makes sense to if there's going to be a move, he's going to be one of the guys that's that's first to move. I think another team's going to take a hard look at him. Um, but he does certainly have a chemistry with with Kempe right now. And you can see that every single night. You look at what Nashville just paid for Brian Boyle, too. That's a, yeah. an elite fourth line center. But right. It's a fourth line center. Second round pick. I mean, could you get more than a fourth for Carl Hagelin? If, if they can, like I said, you do it, right? I mean, to me, it's the same thing as Muzzin, right? You know, if the deal for Muzzin was going to be two thirds and a fourth, then no, Forget about it. hold on to him. But if the deal is a first, uh, you know, a highly rated defensive prospect and, you know, what we saw in Grunstrom here, then yeah, you do it. So, and I feel that way about every player, um, whether it's Quick or Carter, it's a Foley or Hagelin, right? If somebody wants to offer up, you know, a parcel of thirds and a, overaged AHL prospect like no I'll just hold on to Tyler Toffoli um but if you can get a first or a second or something like that so I agree with you with Hagelin and and it will be curious to see if that market is set by that trade because I think everybody's eyebrows went up because I mean Brian Boyle's fine but it's the kind of piece you bring in when you think okay I, my, my top nine is fine I right. need a guy who's going <laughs> to kill penalties and win face-offs that's what we need Mm-hmm. Carl Hagelin is is not the kind of player that Brian Boyle is, but he's the kind of guy you want as a third line winger who's going to skate with pace. He plays with speed. He can kill penalties. He's a smart player. He's not going to score 
a ton of goals, but he's had a scoring touch at points in his career. Like he's the kind of guy you bring in. He's got two cups under his belt. He's played in three cups. He's the kind of guy you bring in as that. Okay. Last, you know, bottom six piece to, for a contender. And I mean, their penalty kill, sorry, Dave has been remarkably better over this last stretch, I man. I can't remember if, if Boston scored a power play goal on them. Uh, yeah, they, I guess the game winner was, uh, was yeah. powerful but yeah. up to that Kovalchuk point i think they were the perfect box. on the uh, on the phantom on the call goal. on the phantom yeah, call on Chuck, which whoever it was tripped over his own was it poster knock yeah i know i don't remember but, but honestly like in the moment i was thinking to myself we've got a game now where we slow it down and do reviews to find out if a guy's foot was six centimeters yeah, over the line no, right. but we can't call a, a, a coach's review on a when penalty that didn't happen nobody in overtime right. like get out of here yeah right but I was also going to say, uh, just to add to Zach's point, you also have a guy, speaking of a guy like Hagelin, you have a guy like Nate Thompson, mm-hmm. who teams would probably be looking for. Another guy who can kill penalties, another guy that plays you know, third, fourth line minutes, but is a key contributor right down the stretch. And a guy who can play late in the game is often on the on the ice late in the game for the Kings. He's another guy that could really you know boost another team's lineup going forward. So we have now this situation where the Ducks have... <laughs> Have passed the Kings in the uh, in the bottom of the standings Yikes. in the Western Conference. Ottawa, Detroit, and uh, who's the other team out east that's that's below the Kings? Um, there's a third team. Might even be New Jersey. Um, Might be New Jersey. So I mean, the Kings are now maybe fifth, maybe sixth in, in the standings. To all those people who who have been griping at me for the past week about Jack Hughes, at this point, I think it's time we all sort of wrap our heads around the idea that the Kings are probably not going to get Jack Hughes. And I want to I want to sort of package that conversation with the conversation about coaching, which is, look, I'm not saying I don't want the best player in the draft every year. That'd be great. Right. I love good players, but I think far more important. And you can look to Edmonton to back this up far more important than getting the best player at any given moment is having the structure and the organization and the leadership to get the most out of those players. And you see this turnaround on the team. I don't think that Willie Desjardins suddenly stumbled into the dark and found the right switch to flip to get this production. I think this is 100% on the players deciding to kill penalties, deciding to drive the net, deciding to you know do whatever it is to get this performance. So for me, a much larger issue is sorting out the identity of this team, sorting out the roles that everybody's going to inhabit sorting out whatever it is that caused them to get swept in the playoffs and then, you know, sort of waste the first 15 games of this season. After that, the the play will come, right? Like somebody on Twitter pointed out, you know, that every cup-winning team in recent memory has a number one or a number two overall draft pick. And I said, right, but the Kings still have Dowdy. So, you know, and they pointed to Washington, you know, and I said, okay, Ovechkin was drafted first in 2004. They haven't drafted in the top 10 since 2007. This is 11 years ago. So I don't want to hear this notion that somehow you have to have a number one or a number two pick to compete. Like, the Kings have the talent. Even if they did get Jack Hughes, is he going to supplant Kopitar as the number one overall pick? Even if there was a defenseman who was going to, you know, be in a, you know, a number one role, is he going to bump Dowdy out of that spot? Is, you know, is the goalie that you take going to bump quick or peterson or can't like no so well yeah but the, but the point is do they have the talent is the talent there on this king's team i mean this this is a small it's a small one to 20 it's a no. small sample size one right to now. five yes one to five 
They've got Kopitar, they've got Brown, they've got Dowdy, they've got whether you want to say but, Quick or Peterson. Right, or but that only takes you so far. You know, you need absolutely. You need depth. You need so talent, five you need through skill. eight. Five through eighteen is is the question mark, is it not? Yes, but I'm just saying there's there is enough evidence of enough teams getting quality picks out of the not first overall pick, right? Put into a system with a good coach. I mean, look what the Islanders are doing right now with um, with Trots. Right? You see him. He goes to Washington. He's in Nashville for a decade. Everybody thinks he's the best coach. He goes to Washington. He finally takes Washington over the hump to win the cup. He goes to the island. Winning again. And he's got a team that, for all everybody assumed, would be out of the playoffs. He's got him in first place. So, I mean, there are more important things than just stockpiling number one picks. And, again, Edmonton is your perfect example. That's what happens when an organization only cares about hoarding number one picks. You also need to have a coach, uh, for instance, Barry Trotz, who knows how to play the Absolutely. players that are in the lineup every night. So, and it's not, I'm not knocking Willie Desjardins. I'm just saying in, in for the first two months of the season, I would say maybe three months, it was almost like who's playing with who every night. I mean, Ilya Kovalchuk's playing on the fourth line and getting eight minutes a night. Mm-hmm. So what is going on here? You know, some of these young guys are getting six minutes a night, eight minutes a night. And you say, well, shouldn't they be playing more? Because this is the future of the team, right? And, and you're not in a playoff spot. So why not let some of the kids play? So that's, why not let the guy with the highest goals per 60 uh, into the lineup? <laughs> there you go. And Kovalchuk, before he got demoted to fourth line duties, he was the leading scorer on the team. Right. And now that's kind of tapered off because he got bumped down to the fourth line. Uh, but I think that's the question mark is, you know, is, are the, do they have the talent deep enough talent in order to make a playoff run? And is, is the coaching situation figured out enough to know these are the guys that can get it done. And this is where they slot in. When you say make a playoff run, I think you mean hypothetically moving forward. Not yes, this year. Right? Not yeah, this yeah, year. Right. Okay. Right. Zach. I mean, what do you think? So you talk about who do you take out if you're looking to put a Matt Luff into the lineup, you know, cause if you look at the fourth line, you know, Mike Amadio. Austin Wagner, Kyle Clifford was terrific yep. in Philadelphia, yeah. especially. Yep. And Austin Wagner got that goal created by Clifford. And Matteo's had a few assists now that he's kind of getting a role in the lineup. He's showing what he shows in Ontario with his playmaking ability up with the Kings. So it's easy to say, yeah, you got to play him more. Look, I mean, the, the back numbers, they kind of speak for themselves. But if you're a coach, too, are you saying, well, who am I going to sit? Because am I going to sit? Is Kyle Clifford the answer? Uh, maybe, but you know, higher than him, are you going to sit Ilya Kovalchuk? Are you going to sit Carl Hagelin? You know, who who do you take out to get that guy in the lineup? No, at the end of a three zero and one run where he's not in the lineup, that's a <laughs> you're one hundred percent right. Um, probably before this run, I would have said somebody like Leipzig, but now that you see how well he played, and, and tough to take him out of the yeah, lineup. Yeah, no, it's tough. Yeah. To, I mean, look, it's tough to take anyone out when and, you're three zero and one. And Clifford too. Clifford's had some scoring opportunities yep. at the post the other day. I mean, he's a guy who who gives you everything every single night, so he'd be a tough guy to to take out of your lineup. He's exactly what you want in, exactly. in his role. He plays his role. Exactly right. You know, does exactly what he's asked. Yep. At this point, I would assume with Lewis now healthy, I'm assuming Thompson is the first guy up because Lewis can play center. Um, you think Thompson yeah, gets scratched? Know. For Lewis, yeah. I probably. don't think I'd, I, don't I think wouldn't so? do that. I, I don't, oh, whether whether he do it, I don't know. I, I think, you know, he's a – Nate Thompson's a player that's loved by – by Willie Desjardins. I don't think he's a guy he would take out personally. You know, you oh, I don't the, know if I, I'm not talking about what I think Desjardins would do. I'm oh, saying what okay. I would do. Gotcha. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I think I think uh, if you're gonna put in Trevor Lewis, I think a guy, one of the younger guys, comes out. I would say it's probably an Amadio. Yeah. Just a, just a guess. Uh, I think Wagner, you got to leave in the lineup, I, I, and all the other guys are, are have been playing really well. Not not saying. 
I don't know. I, I just that's that's the one guy maybe that I would I would say. Oh, well, we'll or scratch him. Or maybe you just carry him as a healthy scratch for a while. I mean, Trevor. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's been he's been out of the lineup for months, but he's on the road trip. Yeah, but I mean, so you he ha- could slot you, in. But you have a healthy scratch option. Sure. And you could say to him like, "Look, we're either showcasing guys or we're riding this you know run as long as we right. can, and right. you know we're not going to trade you, so hold on and continue to get more healthy." I suppose. Right. I don't know. Not to mention, you still got Johnny Bradzinski, who's yep. probably close-ish because he was on the trip as well, and he's been skating regularly. You may see him in Ontario. Yeah. First, you might imagine he hasn't played a game all year, mm-hmm. uh, but you've, you've got a guy that at the, during the preseason when he was in was a guy that everyone seemed to be very excited about was his progress. I like Johnny Brodzinski. I've, you know, I like his brothers. I like his dad. I like the, the Brodzinski clan. At this point in his development and at this point where the franchise is, I'm ready to like I, I, it would it would take a Herculean effort on his part in my mind to lock down a roster spot, right? Just given how much is going on, what kind of season they've had, where he already was in his development, he would have to really shine for him to leapfrog Amadio, Luff, Wagner, Akil Thomas, Anderson Dolan, Velarde. When when does he have that opportunity, though? I don't know that he does, and it's a bummer. Right, right. And it's unfortunate. You want to see him play. You like Brodsey. I do, yeah. but I just I'm not holding my breath for a 2019-20, you know, right. spot on the roster. Right, right, form. right. Oh, next year you're talking about? Yeah, oh, well, I mean no. this year, whatever. Like I don't, you know, <laughs> yeah, they're going to finish somewhere between fifth and tenth, and everyone's going to gripe that they didn't get Jack Hughes, and they'll get a player. Unless they keep going on this run, Jesse. If this run continues, look, that's what I'm rooting for, and I know everybody hates me for it, but well, look at the schedule. What Washington up next? Yeah, twice in the next week. In the next week, right? You <laughs> got Van- you got Vancouver in there. You got yeah. Boston in there. I mean, they're not these are not easy games. No, and I don't like I said, I don't anticipate them continuing this run. I think they'll finish somewhere between fifth and tenth, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. Um, but I just like I just like watching them play well. I mean, and that's why I hate the draft system because you know you have fans with every everybody who disagrees with me is perfectly within their rights and perfectly in their right mind to disagree with me you should want the best available player and getting the highest draft pick will get you that i just well, not necessarily well i'm just not convinced that that the best player is the most important thing and i just like watching winning hockey so. sure you can also finish 10th and get the best player absolutely conceivably i yeah. mean it's not you know the way it's set up every single team that misses the playoffs has at least a one out of a hundred percent chance, or yeah. one out of a hundred chance of getting the, the number one yeah, pick. Yeah. I mean, it's not likely, but it's it's possible. Well, and I, you know, I hate to keep beating this dead horse, but you know, Andre Kopitar taking eleventh overall, Jeff Carter taking eleventh overall, Dustin Brown taking thirteenth overall, Jonathan Quick, I believe, was a third round draft pick. You know, yes, Drew Doughty was second, but you know, I follow wasn't drafted, or I guess even if we're sticking with guys that won the cup, you know, Muzzin was a a free agent, you know, that Pittsburgh didn't want anymore. Uh, Voinov was a second rounder. Mitchell and Scuderi were free agents. Like, like you don't has. have to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, right. You don't go through the roster and go like, oh, my God. First look at all these first, yeah. first round draft picks. <laughs> right. Look yeah. At right. So, right. Anyway. They, they managed to put it together. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about the Ontario rain because we are here for the rain. I was here specifically because I wanted to see Grunstrom play. He was acquired in the trade for Muzzin. And what did you think? I really like Grunstrom. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say I think he's a second or first line player in the NHL. Maybe he is. I don't know. But I will say this. Based off of one game that I watched, I think he's absolutely an NHL player. 
What I really like about him, and I've, I guess I've seen five games now, is you know you see his point production is good, mm-hmm. and you see his skill, but he's a lot more than just skill. Um, on Friday, a four, a six to four loss for the rain. A play that really stood out to me was Grunstrom went in as the F one on the four check, played the body in the corner, separated the defenseman from the puck. F2 came in, found the pass for the goal. He got the secondary assist in the play, gets the assist, but what really impressed me was his forechecking ability. So he's a he's not a huge guy, but he's solid. You know, he's not a soft player by any means. He initiates contact, he plays the body, and that's the kind of thing that can make him successful in multiple roles at the NHL level. He's not limited to being, okay, if you're not on the second line, you're in the AHL because you can't handle a bottom six role. I think he can. There's some guys who go in and throw their body recklessly and without abandon, and you go, okay, oh, that, you know, he's a wrecking ball, he's great, he's, you know, Rich Clune reminded me, you know, is that kind of guy, right? Yeah. Like, where you go, okay, I yeah, see, yeah. see the effort, I see the hustle, but I don't necessarily see the intention or the planning behind it. Um, then we find out, of course, that he's, you know, got dependency issues, and you go, okay, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. I saw Grunstrom out there, I saw a guy with confidence who, when he had the puck, he was moving it to open space. When he didn't have the puck, he was either chasing it down or he was moving into open space. And I saw him quarterback a play without the puck on his stick, right? The puck was in the right-hand corner. Uh, He read the play, moved out to the left point, more or less, tapped the stick on the ice, and was directing play without the puck. And I thought, oh, my God, like that's that vision or whatever you want to call it, that on-ice awareness to know when to go into the corner and, and initiate contact. That's the sort of thing that I think carries a guy through a career, even if he doesn't necessarily have the hardest shot or the fastest wheels or whatever. And, well, here's the other thing. He can skate. Mm-hmm. He's not a Carl Hagelin. He's not right. an Austin Wagner. He's not a guy who flies, but he skates really well, which mm-hmm. gets him to those open spots. And he's, I think from what I've seen in the three or four games I've seen him, he thinks the game really well. I think that's the point you were kind of yeah. getting at. Is that he really sees the game and thinks the game. And with his skating ability, he can get to those areas. And I think that's key in today's AHL, today's NHL. You have to be able to skate. You don't have to be the fastest skater, but you have to be able to skate. It has to be something that's a strong point of your game, a strong suit. And I think that's his strong suit is, A, thinking the game, and B, his skating ability to get him where he needs to be. There's a difference between being fast and playing fast, right? You know, You don't have to be the NHL's fastest skater to play, but you have to be able to play fast. Some guys can skate fast, but they can't play fast. He just has to play fast, and he's a good enough skater. He's certainly a standout skater at this level. He's not elite, but he's good. If you can play fast, there's a spot for you in today's hockey, I think. And again, not to insist that the team hold on to Carl Hagelin, but that's why I was getting so excited. I mean, I was already excited about the way Hagelin and Kempe have been playing recently, and I watched Grunstrom, and I thought, if he's on there, if he's the third wing on that line, and Kempe throws the body, Grunstrom throws the body, Hagelin's great with his stick, breaking up plays, playing the you know defense. They're all fast, and you know as goofy as it is, they're all Swedish, so I don't you know they can communicate or whatever, and the other team won't necessarily know. I don't know. It's just an extra layer of. And they all go for meatballs after. Yeah, the game. exactly. <laughs> they all hang out at IKEA on the weekends. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, I just I'm excited now. Again, with no expectation that Hagelin is a second line or top line player. He's the kind of guy I see in the new NHL, if that's the kind of move we're going to make. He's the kind of guy that I think really complements a third line, you know, because he will he will generate scoring opportunities. Hagelin or Grunstrom? Grunstrom. Grunstrom you're talking about. Yeah, 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 like yeah. He, he'll get scoring chances yep. while at the same time playing a third line role, right? You know, he's not just the 1C line. He's, right. you know, he's. And he'll create those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think so. Anyway. Yeah. 
Uh, Zach, we talked a bit briefly about this during the first intermission. I'm curious about the rain. Um, the Kings obviously struggled. You know, we've been trying to figure out what the cause is. The rain don't have the exact same problems the Kings do. They've had stable coaching. They've got, obviously, great goaltending. And yet, they find themselves uh, at the bottom of the standings. And they're allowing a ton of goals. So, I'm curious, what... Is it just that the Kings are cannibalizing the best players off the Reigns roster this year? Is it because the team is so young? Um, any any insight into why the team has struggled this season? It's a combination. I mean, one, your number one defenseman, Sean Walker, is up in the NHL. You'd imagine we won't see him back in Ontario this season. Um, he's a guy that when he's in the lineup, he logs first pairing minutes. He's played alongside Curtis McDermott on the first pair pretty much the entire year that Walker's been in the AHL. And when you put Walker on the first pair, it allows, say, a guy like Kale Clegg to move down in the lineup and play maybe against easier competition. It frees up a guy like Matt Roy to play less minutes because he logs a ton of minutes, you know, playing against top players on the other team while also playing on the power play, playing on the first penalty kill. And then, two, there are also, you know, a lot of rookies, a lot of first and second year guys here on the reign. You graduate Oscar Fantenberg, you graduate Paul Ledoux, and now Sean Walker to the NHL. And those guys are elite top four defensemen in the AHL for sure. And now they're going and playing well at the NHL level. So you don't just fill those spots with anyone, right? Like you can't just step in and replace three of your top four defensemen just like that. So I think there's been some growing pains. You have some younger guys who are in their first year pro. They're used to being the best player at the college or junior level. And I think sometimes it just takes a little bit longer when you see a lot of veteran guys move on to, to have new guys come in and fill the void. And maybe it's as a second or a third year guy that uh, an Austin Strand becomes a regular or that he steps into a bigger role or at forward. A Mikey Asamont can fill a Michael Mersh, something like that. You know what I mean? It's it's not just an overnight thing. I, I hate to rely on plus minus for this question, but AHL stats are hard to come by. So um, you mentioned Matt Roy. He's a minus 20. Brickley's a minus 23, Lintuniemi's a minus 26, Clegg's a minus 18. But I feel like those four defensemen are not all um, struggling with the same issues, right? I mean, I hear good things about Matt Roy. People are saying he's probably the next guy called up. Um, so where does Matt Roy's development compare to somebody like Daniel Brickley, who was brought in, I think, with the expectations that he might play in the NHL, and yet everything I've heard is that he's having a rough time transitioning. It's tough to evaluate Brickley right now. He's been hurt for the last month, month and a half. So I haven't really, honestly, I haven't seen him play since I think the new year. And Matt Roy is a guy who just impresses me because he just does everything well. There's not one or two things you can say about his game. It's like Matt Roy is elite at these two things because he just does everything good. Mm -hmm. You know, he plays on the first power play. Today, he was the only defenseman on the first power play. He plays on the first penalty kill. He's the first guy out when the team's a man down. He plays at even strength, usually against top players on the other team. He's playing 25, 30 minutes a night, time on ice, not kept at this level officially. But I, I think that's where he's kind of slotted in. And yeah, he's a minus 20, but the rain are a minus a lot too. You know, right. it's, it's not like it's indicative. Oh, you look at one guy and that's why you kind of said you don't want to weigh too much into plus minus because, you know, it can be a fickle stat. It's not meaningless, but it's also not always indicative, Yeah, you know, over the, over the last few weeks, the Reign have had a few lopsided defeats where you've seen a few maybe dash twos or threes on Roy's name. Um, but you watch him play, and for me, the eye test outweighs a plus-minus stat. And I've really been impressed with what I've seen just from watching him play night in, night out. I mean, to your point, 
almost the entire team is minus. There are a ton of guys with minus 20s, minus 10s, you know, teens. Um, but just sort of curious because, like I said, there's there's only six defensemen on a team on any given night, and four of them are carrying pretty big minuses. And then you've got Walker, obviously, you mentioned who's, who's gone. He was a plus. McDermott is a plus on this team, and I don't know if you chalk that up to veteran poise or, you know, maybe he's just – Maybe it's matchups, right? And maybe he's a second or third pair D. And quite the opposite, he's okay. first pairing. Well, uh, then I don't matter. Then and, I don't. Uh, he's playing with Clegg. He's been playing with Clegg too, and I think Clegg is a minus, right? Yeah, uh, so, big minus. So, so, so right. I guess that's my sort of question: is how do you get Clegg at a minus eighteen and McDermott at a plus six? That's a weird. So McDermott, McDermott Walker was the pair for okay. when Walker's here. Which, as you look at the games, that's about half of. Mm-hmm. Curtis McDermott slate, and then McDermott Clegg is the pairing when Walker isn't here. So okay. Clegg will play on the right with McDermott on the left. I mean, Curtis McDermott, um, people sleep on him, you know, because maybe he's a little older in his development. He had a shot last year. He's a good defenseman in the AHL. He's a guy who plays against, you know, the other team's better players. Whether it's him on the ice or Matt Ryan on the ice, one of them's always out there. McDermott kills penalties. He played a few games at forward. He does a lot that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. You look at a high penalty minutes total. Yeah, he's he's a physical guy. Like he today, he took a must have just been a strictly reputation call. A uh, boarding penalty led to a San Jose goal. It wasn't a penalty at all. It looked like a clean hit. It, it was shoulder to shoulder yeah. for sure. But he's a guy that you don't really appreciate how good he is in his own end until you watch him. And I think he's a guy who's developed a ton into being a guy you can say at the AHL level is a a shutdown guy. Is he the kind of player that ha- because it, assuming that the Kings continue to rebuild, retool, restructure, reimagine whatever made up word people want to use with the prefix reattached to it? Is he the kind of guy who has a shot now as either a third pair or healthy scratch defenseman on the Kings roster, um, particularly because he does shoot right? Well, McDermott shoots left. Does or, yeah. Oh, unless you meant Roy. Roy's a right shot. Oh. Um, well, then hockey DB's lying to me. Yeah, McDermott, uh, All right. a lefty shot for sure. Well, never mind that. <laughs> um, for he, he does so many things well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the knock on him is his skating and, and mobility, and he's not the, not the fastest guy. Um, from conversations I've had, come a long way, and he does you know the intangibles, the defensive zone play, shot blocking are off the charts. Work ethic, all that stuff is, is very good, and you wonder, you know, I don't know, you know, what the plans are. You look at a guy like Curtis McDermott and how he plays, you think, okay, maybe the NHL is trending away from his style of defenseman. Um, but with the rain this season, you know, the fact that he has the best plus minus on the team, I, I don't think it's a a typo. You know what I mean? I, I think he's <laughs> right. he's been that good, and he seems to be on the ice when goals are scored and not so much on the ice when they go into his net. Who would you say at this point has been the Reigns MVP? I like Matt Roy. Okay. I think um, it's either Matt Roy or you, you can also go Matt Molson. You know, Matt Molson, he's not a Kings prospect. He's not even a member of the Kings organization on <laughs> no. the NHL side. He's a, a <laughs> yeah. Buffalo Sabres NHL contract, obviously in the organization with the rain, but he's been, you know, he has 20 plus goals, 40 points here. He's been terrific. And he seems to find the back of the net every night as 12 goals over his last 12 games. He's been great. But Matt Roy has just been that constant, you know, from game one to game whatever we are now, 43, he's been, I think, solid from day one. And I've been in the the camp that he should get a look at some point, you know, who knows when. But I, I just feel like he's been that guy who he's just so solid that you, you like watching him 
I'd like having him on your team. Dave, from ice level, who's been the most fun to watch for the rain this year? Uh, I think Matt Roy's been pretty good. Yeah. I mean, he's fun to watch every single night. I also like watching, and uh, uh, he's not going to get a call up, but Brett Sutter is every single game. Brett Sutter brings it every single night. And what do you have, his 14th goal in season tonight or whatever it was? Here's a guy who, who lays it out on the line every single game. You know what you're going to get from him every night. Consummate professional. Uh, isn't afraid to drop the gloves whenever the, you know, the situation calls for it. He's out there to protect his teammates and, and back guys up. And he's producing on the score sheet as well. And that's why he's your captain. But if you're talking about prospects, yeah, I'd say it's Matt Roy. I mean, he's really been impressive from day one. And I think in this now, what, his second, this is his second, second year, professional yeah. season. Uh, guy out of Michigan Tech, I think it was. He's, uh, he's really taken strides from last year to this year. And he's really upped his game. I've been impressed with him so far. Rempel stood out to me a few times tonight. Um, I wouldn't call them mistakes, but there there were two plays, and I can't remember them now. But I remember thinking to myself, "Oh, that wasn't the that wasn't maybe the right move." Like he called for a puck one time, and he didn't get the shot off, um, or he went into traffic, or maybe I didn't think he would have. Early in the season, I thought he looked really good. He had a lot of speed. He got called up, obviously. Um, how's his development coming along? You can see the tools. I mean, he's yeah. he might have the best skills the highest skill level on this team. Um, since the all-star break, he's definitely cooled down a bit in terms of the points. I think you've seen that you wonder, you know, as a college kid, they're used to playing about this amount of games in a season. Is it that college wall that you talk about for a guy in his first year as a pro, he's never played a 68 game season. Maybe he's on track for more because he played in the NHL as well, but you wonder if he's maybe hitting that rookie wall just a little bit. You know, early in the year, he was he was dynamic. He was a top six guy, played on the power play, accumulated a ton of points and goal scoring, playmaking. He was great. He's dropped off a bit, um, but you can still see that skill level when he gets going. You know, with, with his speed and his skill at this level, he's he's a dynamic player. So we're going to backtrack again and talk about the Kings before we wrap this up. Uh, 3-0-1. Uh, we're going to go ahead and in the past – there really hasn't been any reason to do a King of the Week because the season has been such a bummer, but this was a fun week, so I'm bringing back King of the Week. So, Dave, nominate a King of the Week, then we're going to let the listeners vote. We'll reveal the winner on Wednesday. Jesse, I'm going to nominate Adrian Kempe. All right. Uh, had a little trouble uh, early in the season finding a scoring touch. Has been snake-bitten for a long time, dating back to last year even, last mm-hmm. season. And now this week, uh, last 10 days or so, he has really stepped up his game and is finding that scoring touch that we've kind of been anticipating was going to be there this season. My vote is for Adrian Kempe. Zach, I'm going to ask you for a rain player of the week. That's good because Dave took the king of the week. I was, right. going to number. I was sitting here like, what am I going to say? I could have said Toffoli too. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, Toffoli yeah. played well, but I'll go Kempe. Rain player of the week, it has to be Philippe Maillet. You know, he's, he's not a Kings prospect. He's on an AHL deal, but eight points from three games this week. He had a four assist night on Wednesday. Uh, in San Diego with a win over the goals, tied an AHL career high, had a two-point night on Friday in the loss, had another two-point night with two goals tonight in the win. He's a player that, if you looked at his numbers from last year, they averaged out to being about a half a point a game guy. First half of the year, did nothing offensively. And in the second half of the year, he was about a point per game guy. And now you look at him, he's hot, eight points in three games. Could he go on that same kind of run? And with a better start to the year, he's a guy that's numbers are improving, now second on the ring in scoring. And, and I thought he had a great week. Almost had the hat trick tonight on that breakaway. Oh, oh I thought it. he had it. I yeah. thought he had it. Tried yep. to go five hole. Just yeah. Uh, yeah, set up nice. Just missed it. Yep. So I will go ahead and I will nominate Tyler Toffoli, Dave. Um, Thank you. Because three goals, three assists. <laughs> looked like a completely different player. Yep. And, sure did. You know, the rumors have, I have heard rumors that said 
the Kings were not going to trade him this year because they had hoped that if they brought him back next season that, that they would be able to increase his trade value. Um, if he's going to play the way he has over the last four games, I would argue don't trade him at all. That's the kind of guy, right? Like if a team like Boston wants second line scoring, uh, and the Kings need also need second line scoring. Um, but obviously I'm not in charge. And I would say if there are still changes to be made to this lineup and yeah. certain players are moved, then I think it'd be wise to hold on to Tyler to Foley for that reason, because I think if he's playing with the right players, I think uh, you're going to see that scoring touch come back and you're going to see that production come back. I, I agree. And I think Kopitar also had an excellent week. He sure did. Um, and although quick split the playing time with Campbell, I thought he also had himself a, a good week. Well, so, he looks good pretty much every night. Yeah, I mean, he's, yeah. he is who he is. Money goal. <laughs> um, so go ahead and check out on uh, Twitter. Find that poll. Go ahead and let us know who you think the king of the week should be. Uh, until Wednesday, Dave wait, Joseph, wait, 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 well, wait, wait, wait! I watched Star Wars. Oh my god! Yeah. What do you think? You didn't like it. I watched Star Wars. The first part, or the fourth one, or whatever you want. Yeah, to four IV. Yeah, I watched Star Wars uh, IV. Uh, I made it through that one without falling asleep, <laughs> and then I watched Star Wars V. Yeah, where they're on the 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 uh, snow planet or yes, whatever the, yeah, the yeah. ice planet. Hoth, they sure are. Yeah, yeah. Snow planet. And. Uh, I fell asleep halfway through, so really? I didn't make it. I didn't make it to six. Wow! I've yet to see. Should I? Should I see six? No, you're all right. Okay, you've seen. Now, I tried. Now, when I texted you, uh, <laughs> I referenced uh, Poltergeist two, and I didn't even bother prefacing to see if you had seen it. I just assumed you had. Have Poltergeist? You? Yeah, Poltergeist. No, 2. I've never seen that either. Neither one. I've never seen any of the Poltergeist. You claim to like movies, and yet every time I throw out a movie, that I, I saw Green Book last night. Uh, how was it? It was fantastic. All right. One one of the better movies I've seen lately. You seen it? Have not with no, Viggo Mortensen. Yeah, it's fantastic. It. It's great. It's up for all these uh, awards and everything. All right, I recommend it. Kings fans, Rain fans, go see Green Book. Fantastic movie. Zach, you got any uh, movie recommendations? Last movies I've seen, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, that was great. That was great. I, I loved. Thank you. And uh, Wreck It Ralph breaks the internet, which I, I also see enjoyed. That. And uh, the Lego Movie Two oh, is, is that coming out. Haven't seen. It. I think it came oh, okay. out this this week, right. so I'll, I'll have to make my way over to see that. I'm waiting for the Secret Life of Pets Part Two or whatever it is. That's <laughs> the one I want to see. Yeah. Well, I watched all ten episodes of Russian Doll on Netflix. I don't know what that is. It's great. It's uh, it's I'll, I'll throw out this one minor complaint. <clears throat> it's just Groundhog Day, but as a ten episode TV show. I mean, it's not a comedy the way Groundhog Day was. Bill but Murray that, in it? No, no, no. Oh. But the premise is. I mean, it's just the same way that the Tom Cruise action movie. You know, was was Groundhog Day the action movie? Yeah. This is Groundhog Day, the drama series. Gotcha. But, and this drives me crazy, at no point in time did the character say, right, in the multiple scenes where they're trying to explain to other people what's happening, at no point did the character just say, hey, did you ever see that movie Groundhog Day? <laughs> That's what's like. It's like watching <laughs> The Walking Dead where they don't say zombies. It's like, can gotcha. we just, yeah. just say zombies? Just say, like, what's <laughs> right. happening? Zombie attack. Right. And then everybody... Right. Like when you when you go to your friend and try and explain, like you just go like, "Hey, I'm being Groundhog Day." That's it. That's all. And then the rest of this, anyway. You get a little bit of everything on this podcast. You yeah, get, you get exactly. kings, you get rain, you get movie reviews. What I want to get you some want? pizza. You got any reviews for the pizza in the neighborhood? Oh, in this neighborhood, yeah. there's a lot of good places. I'm sure there is. Yeah. All right, that's gonna wrap it up uh, until Wednesday for Dave Joseph and Zach Dooley. I am Jesse Cohen. Thanks for joining me, fellas. Thanks for listening, Kings fans. We'll talk to you soon.